Can we talk about this again? No PPE. Seriously, I wrote down my note on the PPE track. Where are the goggles? Where are the safety goggles? Where are the goggles? Microwaves, eyes, penis. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Frida. And I'm Abby. And this week's movie is Spectral. I had to say it like that. Spectral. (laughs) Spectral. But first, Abby, how are you doing? We're in quarantine still. How's it been for you? Um, It's good. Do you know what I don't think I told you about before? Um, I set myself a walking challenge. Really, I can't exercise at home. We don't really have the space right now. Um, We don't really have the space right now in general anyway. So it's a bit difficult to kind of find the room to lay out a yoga mat and stuff. Plus, I don't push myself. Like I get online classes and things like that. I need to be in a room. I need to be in a room under pressure with other people looking at me and an instructor shouting at me for me to go, okay, I'll do it. You need the shame? Yeah, I need the shame. I fully need the shame. (laughs) But what I can do is walk. It's because I do yeah. listen to an obscene amount of podcasts, mostly true crime murder podcasts, which is very unhealthy. But um, it means that like I'm happy to walk. And like I'm in London, so lockdown, there's no tourists around. So it's kind of cool. I'm pretty much in the city. So just out walking around. So what's the challenge? I have to reach a million steps. What? In, a million? Well, so in, the whole deal sorry, was... Sorry, you've got to give your time frame. No, there is a time frame. So the whole deal was, it started out with I wanted to do 100,000 steps in a week. So I was like, I'm going to give that a shot. And then we were talking about it and it was like, okay, well, I wonder if I could reach a million. And it was like, if I reach a million steps in six weeks, then I get a SNES. Because I've always What's wanted... A- oh, Super Nintendo. Do you remember that from being a kid? Was that a big in Australia? No. It, I mean, it was. It just wasn't in my family. Oh. Mario. I'm obsessed. I've wanted one for so <laughs> long. wasn't allowed. Yeah. Oh I, I got one when, when I was older, single and divorced. I actually went and bought a Nintendo for myself. In Gumtree. <laughs> That's amazing. That makes do you have really Gumtree in the UK? Is yeah, we do. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Australians think everything is an Australian thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I I bought Super Mario Kart when I was like thirty. Oh my god! And I and then I had it for a month, and I was like, why did I do this? I hate this. Because it's great. What you didn't like it? I'm terrible at it. I, I don't have oh. the touch. You just have to practice. Just, just practice. Yeah. <laughs> but look, I'm not going to reach a million steps in six weeks. That's like a hardcore fact. There's just that's I'm insane. not. It's not possible for me. I'd have to walk like seven hours a day, seven days a week, and that's too much. So if I reach it in eight weeks, then I get a record player. And I really want a record player. So I'm aiming for that. Ten weeks, I get a Rubik's Cube. Oh, you can just get a Rubik's Cube now. Yeah, I'm on track for the Rubik's Cube, which is really upsetting. Um, a million is a big number. I'm really behind. It's just... I know it so much. One million steps. I'm at the end. I've just started my week four. So by the end of this week, I need to be at the halfway point. But to do that, I need to like hit 175,000 steps this week and it's just not going to happen. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I, on the other hand, I, I, I'm not stepping, I'm not stepping outside at all. <clears throat> sometimes, sometimes I just go outside to get sun on my skin because I come so, super aware of the fact that I haven't <laughs> been outside. Um, I'm just so happy staying inside my house 
with no no reason to step out you don't even go to the supermarket do you i go to the supermarket like strictly once every two weeks wow (laughs) do a huge shop which i find really fun i really find it fun doing like a massive shop i feel like such a boss yeah i try and do them at the big shop once a week yeah but i'm enjoying myself i'm i'm i don't i i just realize i don't ever really like going out I didn't, I mean, I kind of knew that deep down, but now I'm like, it's confirmed. So, I mean, I, I'm pretending that the restrictions are still there, even though they're kind of lifting. I'm like, no, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's me. But I'm so excited yeah. about this movie. It's just got, it's Very juicy. Exciting. And I am yeah. looking, I heard a rumor that you've prepared an introduction, a summary for us. And why don't you go ahead and give I it have. to us? Come on. Okay, you ready for this? Yes. All right, okay, so Spectral, Netflix movie, 2016. We open this movie with our rugged, manly, male character in a scrapyard doing masculine things, like getting dirty while looking through junk. But wait, this is no grease monkey. It's our protagonist, a thrifty scientist who knows that the expensive compound he needs for a super smart sciencey experiment can be found in old printer cartridges from the 90s. We watch him line up his high-powered lasers at the swanky DARPA lab he leads. The men in charge watch as he blows an ice block to dust and think, hey, cool weapon. But our hero resists because he is a scientist after all and he does not work on weapons. So ends the intro scene and we've established our lead as a resourceful guy, a big shot scientist with a moral compass, but who isn't afraid to get his hands dirty. And it turns out that all these qualities are going to come in super handy for the rest of the movie. Uh, I love what you're doing. I love it. Dr. Mark Klein, in his role as a scientist slash engineer at the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, the aforementioned DARPA, developed some hyperspectral imaging goggles to help the US troops that are out fighting in the Moldovan War. Unfortunately, there appears to be a glitch and an ethereal looking light that can only be seen through the goggles is somehow killing men instantly on contact. Dr. Klein is brought out to Moldova to investigate this weird occurrence. When he gets there, he meets Fran Madison, a CIA officer who is gathering intelligence on technology advancements in the war-torn region. Fran is convinced that this is just some pesky insurgents with advanced cloaking technology, and we just need better aim with our big guns. Luckily, as she's the only woman in the cast, and really she's just there to be the translator, her wacko theory is dismissed quick enough and all eyes turn to our saviour, Dr. Klein, to figure out this mess. Throughout the action, the ghostly figures keep coming, moving through walls and bodies, freezing people's insides. The scared locals, and by this I mean the two children they find in a warehouse, tell them it's the Aratari, the ghosts of war. But our scientist knows that this is complete hogwash and searches empirical evidence to support an appropriate scientific theory. Meanwhile, lots of people die. They find out that the apparitions are slowed down by iron filings. More people die. Then they realise the beings can't move through ceramics. Some more people die. Fran holds the kids' hands. They make some special weapons with iron filings. People escape, but lots more die. Finally, upon hearing that the saved children's father worked for the power plant making containers, our brilliant scientist puts one and X together and realises that there is a plausible explanation after all. The spectral apparitions are obviously just Bose-Einstein condensate. And since everything can be broken down into energy, all our heroes need to do 
is unplug a bunch of crap in the power plant and they'll all dissipate. The soldiers get ready for war on condensate while our hero single-handedly builds an arsenal of plasmonic discharge guns so the soldiers have something to do while he saves the day. Hurrah for science! That's spectral. <laughs> oh my god. I feel like I, I, I'm detecting a little bit of cynicism there. Um, it's mild though, right? <laughs> yeah, it barely came across. This movie. I mean, so... Moldova. Do you agree with my summary? It is what it is. You've described what the movie was. <laughs> I mean, I kind of felt one point I'm going to disagree with, which was like when everyone's talking about cloaking, that whole thing with the cloaking, everyone's mentioning cloaking like we all know what cloaking is, I yeah. guess. But... <laughs> But, but it was this idea that um, the government, and to me, she represented government. The government was like, it's cloaking. And yeah. when they asked the scientist, what do you know? What do you think it is? And he says, I don't know. Well, we'll just go with cloaking. It sort of reminds me a lot of what's happening now with um, scientists not knowing quite exactly, you know, enough about the COVID to satisfy government. So yeah. the government's like, well, we'll just come up with our own theory. Well, if you're not sure, I'm sure. I'm sure it's cloaking, so I'll take me being sure over you not being sure. And sort of, I felt like they were kind of dismissing him for not being sure enough. That felt just like super real to me. It was very apropos what we're going through, I think, at the moment, where scientists not being sure is like a a problem for government who kind of need need some answers. But um, that was like a little point that I took from there. But... What did she do, Emily Mortimer? She didn't seem to have any training other than speaking, was that Dothraki? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was a combination of like Eastern European languages. I read some some reviews of people, all right, just being, I don't understand. I'm from this region and I don't understand what this language is supposed to be. Yeah, I looked it up and it's a combination of a few things, including Serbian. But Emily Mortimer actually did, and I always play this trick when I'm watching movies, I saw her, and I'm like, she kind of does look a little Eastern European. Let me look this up. Well, she doesn't. That was the trick of the light. (laughs) Here we go again with the trick of the light. (laughs) She she did, I know, tricks of the light. She did read Russian, whatever that means, when she was at university. She read Russian. Well, see, this was my, I think, yeah, I mean, I was, I might have, I might have slightly exaggerated the thing about her, but it was more just the fact that she's the only female character. So like, look, if we look at the characters in this movie and which I found it very difficult to find Mm. a character breakdown or like background information on what these characters are supposed to be. It just wasn't anywhere. There wasn't even like a fandom wiki page that had a character breakdown because I guess they couldn't figure out what it was either. No, 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 nothing. Yeah. So all I could figure out was we have the main guy, Dr. Klein, the scientist at DARPA, played by James Badge Dale. Then you have Fran Madison, who is a CIA officer. Now, she's played by Emily Mortimer. And the only other information I could find about this character was that she's supposed to be a CIA officer who runs the Delta Force operations in Moldova's war-torn capital. And I just didn't read that from the movie itself. I wasn't quite sure who she was or what her role was. She didn't seem like she was anyone in charge. I guess like what you're saying makes sense. She's from the government. But anyway, there's only two other characters where I kind of thought, oh, I'll write down who they are. 
And that's General Orland, who's played by Bruce Greenwood of Admiral Pike fame. He's the leader of the US Army troops deployed in the war. And then you have Captain Sessions, played by Max Martini, who's the leader of the Delta Force Mm. team. And then you have 25 other credited roles played by various male actors. Mm. There is one other female in the entire movie, and that is the child Sari, played by Ursula Parker. It's, it's very silly. And I think that's where my thing with the Emily Mortimer character comes from. It's like she was the only woman in the entire movie, mm. and it felt like her role was just to pick up all these extra little slack bits. The, the way they talked about her as well, that sort of be like, hey, looks like you two are getting along. You know, it was pretty gross. So it bothered you, did it then, Abby? Just a little bit. Yeah, but um, I mean, yeah, there would be some women in the force in real life, I imagine, these days. But no, so that that's the thing. It's like not even a single of the extra characters of all these soldiers that are running yeah. around, all these people that are getting killed, not one of them was a woman. Yeah. I just don't understand that. They couldn't find Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> 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 I mean... Yeah, and there was also sort of a, they found these two children and then when they're all escaping, Emily Mortimer's like protecting the children and I was sitting there with, with my partner and he sort of yells out, women and children first. You know, like Emily Mortimer basically becomes the protector of the children and, and she doesn't seem to have a weapon. She doesn't seem to have any training. What's, what is she doing? Right? She's CIA. No, I literally had to look this up because I was so bothered by it. I was like, right, yeah. what, what is the role of a CIA officer? So I looked at, I went to the CIA website to try to figure this out, right? And I did find information. No, seriously. I found out information. So a CIA officer is actually just a title that any member of staff for, like, for a CIA employee. Mm. So they can be anything. Like a CIA officer could be an analyst oh. or an accountant. They could be a member of HR staff. But it's a super long list. CIA is not a law enforcement agency. Its responsibility oh. is to collect intelligence. So the vast majority of CIA agents do not carry weapons except for those in the Security Protective Service or those serving in a war zone. Mm. Mm. And I'm just like, so what? what is she doing there if she doesn't have any training or ability to... Like, my whole idea of it is if she's there as a CIA officer and a representative and she's supposed to be leading this Delta Force unit, then should she not have some level of training? But yeah. it just, yeah, it's you're so right. I wrote down one thing where I wrote, there's one scene. Do you, do you remember the scene? And it's like, man running around with a big phallic camera while the woman is holding the hands of the children. <laughs> a dick camera. And there's a bazooka <laughs> at one point. Someone super random pulls out a bazooka. And that is just so phallic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> By the way, the, the CIA officer, you, you reminded me of the title project officer. You know, it's like akin to project officer. Anything. Anything, nothing, anything. Yeah, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah. One thing I was wondering about with it in terms of the way it's laid out Mm. is did you see the movie as being futuristic? Did you envision it as it's set in some sort of apocalyptic type future? Or did it seem more modern day? No. Yeah, if they wanted it to be apocalyptic, they would have set it in like Los Angeles. But they had to pick some random European country so they could be like, this might be happening now. I actually thought the movie was super fun up until the point when it wasn't. It sort of became, and the reason why, the, the reason for me that it became kind of boring is because these 
spectrals, they kill very easily. Yeah. You know, everyone's just killed. Bam, 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 bam. And I always find when the enemy or the whatever is the thing that's the threat is so it kills so easily and it's just so impossible to defeat. I kind of lose interest pretty quickly. Like no one was dying. There was no survivors, you know, so it was hard to kind of be like, what were people experiencing? What's actually going on? Also no autopsies, no information about what's happening to the bodies. Nothing super curious about it. Just this thing murdering really easily. And, And when people just start dying so rapidly, yeah, it's like bang, 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 bang. It's sort of it's like when big body count. Yeah, and I, I was like yawn. It was. It's sort of like when the when the zombies get too fast at running, <laughs> and I'm like yawn. This is boring. But before that, like I was having loads of fun with it. You know, I was having a laugh, but it was fun. You know, they're abseiling down the building. They, I don't know. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. But uh, I just, I, that was my issue. It just kills too easily, you guys. Yeah. Got to give us something that's a little bit more realistic to, to defeat, I would say. It, yeah, it was just kind of like, yeah, it was fun. That's the right word. It was, I was having fun with it. But I think I was having fun with it on the idea that like, ooh, this might be a ghost story or an alien story. Ghosts, right. And then it became a science story. And I was, it made me sad. What I did like was there was no love story. Yeah, he didn't fuck her. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't forced into this thing at the end where they've had a moment now and now they're in love. Yeah, she couldn't give two shits. Emily Mortimer was onto her next movie. She was like, can I leave? Yeah. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> um, exactly. So, I mean, oh. I had a funny... Rela- like, there's been a lot of fun science fiction movies that are coming out on on Netflix and my partner loves science fiction. So I watch a lot of these. We are very gracious with each other's movies choices. So I was cool with it. But like I said, it just gets a little bit, it just starts breaking its own rules is the other thing as well. They set up all these rules and it breaks all its own rules. And it sort of doesn't really make sense at a certain point, which we can get to a bit later mm. when we start going into the science. Um, shall we, shall we start talking about um, picking our themes for the episode? Yeah. What do we think? Uh, Abby, when you watched this movie, was there any kind of tropiness or a particular theme that emerged for you that you want to point out for us? Yeah, there there was one thing that I kind of, it just kept popping up as just the thing that was going on throughout the movie. And I don't, I don't know if I'm right on track with these, with the ideas of the tropes, but um, I'm just picking out a moment, moments that happen in a movie where I just go, oh, this again. And for me, it was loner scientist saves the day. Big bullies proved wrong and pay quiet respect to smart dude who saved their no good asses. Totally. And it, it was just that thing where it was just like that moment, that scene where he's refitting their truck with the camera and they all like step to him. You know, you got all these big army dudes stepping around him. We don't need your no good technology. You're taking our guns away. And I'm like. Is that how it would really work? A DARPA engineer turns up with new equipment for you and your men are dying and you're going to step to him and be like, we don't need you, this is bullshit. And some other guy has to come in and then give the CV of why Mm. the science dude is so awesome and smart and all the stuff that he's done. She saved your asses. Yeah. Pay him some respect. That armor that you wear, those goggles on your head, this, that, this and this and this. And it's like, oh, cool. He's like the only engineer at DARPA, it seems. He's the only engineer at DAP. <laughs> it was like, he's not a soldier. Yeah. He's a scientist. But all the way throughout, he has all these huge action moments. 
where he's like saving the day mm. and the soldiers are just like yeah. his backup dancers in the background you know just kind of arguing and and i'm like surely the soldiers would know how to handle this war-torn mm. zone better than a scientist who's never been in a war-torn zone before and yeah and then just that moment then at the end where it's like that quiet nod they don't say anything they just nod to him the nod of respect you have earned our respect and you are now respect. one of us i wrote when, when that scene happened when they all sort of cornered him and they were like hey there, science boy <laughs> they were like i wrote the deliverance oh yeah you just remember <laughs> they were like a bunch of hillbillies they were like hey uh Geeky science boy, you come on here and tell us how it's done. It was so funny. And I actually almost picked that as my theme as well. This is whole thing of like, uh, what was like military versus science? Like, you know, military brute force, science, brains, you know, and they're coming up against each other. It's super tropey, I would say. But this was so, like, it didn't even try. Yeah. It just was so over the top with these sort of toothless, oh. savage military guys being so awful to him so what was your feeling what was your trope for the week i want to pick a trope because i want to talk about this the thing that brought it up and what i'm talking about is montages (laughs) that is my film trope that is my theme (laughs) because there is a montage in this movie that is so funny oh my god i think i know what you're gonna say go on of course do you know and like I don't know if you've seen this movie called Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, I haven't watched it. Um, it's it's very hard to get your head around unless you sort of understand a little bit about American summer camp culture. Um, but they have a whole bit about montages in there where they make fun of like uh, montages in films and how a lot happens in what is looks like a very short amount of time. So he this montage happens when he is building his weapons, right? And it comes right after you know the here comes science bit. So think about the montage is that it sounds like he's about to MacGyver something. It's because they're in like a shelter, right? He's like, I can do it. Get my stuff. Right. Next thing. What's he got? An angle grinder. Angle grinder. And then he has his flame torching and then he's coding and then he's angle grinding. And then so he's coding with one hand, ankle grinding with the other hand. He's Iron Man. I got in the such cave. a kick out of it. Why do they have an angle grinder? <laughs> and then, and he's yelling things out. You know, that's just so amazing. I re- I really felt like uh, he was about to sticky tape something together, and no, no, he productionizes completely and totally with his own bare hands. So he can code, <laughs> he can grind, <laughs> he can do it all. The electronics, the display. I mean, that's just so amazing. He's a one-man technical army. <laughs> yes, that was my theme. And, oh, God, love a good montage. Um, yeah, those are our themes. I love it because I, I really picked up on that as well when I watched it and I was kind of going to pick that. Um, and and I think it's a really good segue, actually, now that we've just discussed this hilarious representation of somebody nutting something out. Um, <laughs> shall we discuss? Shall we discuss? And, oh, it's a delicious... But how oh the scientists God. and the carrying out of science was portrayed in this movie. I cannot wait to talk about this. Abby, please give me your thoughts. I've been looking forward to this for such a long time. Go. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'd, I've got like a jumble of stuff here 
to right okay so the first thing I just want to say is I tried to look at like what the what the intention of the movie was and I found some I found a a response article written by the director Nick Matthew I think that's how you say it Um, and he described his intention for the movie to be in quotes a tribute to the scientific method disguised as an action movie oh yeah um yeah so that is interesting so and then when you think about it like that and you're like okay cool the intention of the movie was always for it to be a story of scientific method which i appreciate but there was just like there was so much science speak in this movie do you know like trying to drive home this empirical scientist idea but there is an explanation everyone is biased we lack data to form a definitive theory. He didn't take a measurement. Not though. once. That's funny. Like you say that, but then, but but then, and we this came up with annihilation as well. They're just musing the way in 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 movies, science they have they muse and then they go from musing to conclusions. Oh my god, I know the answer. That is not how science is done. You have to take you have to back it up with a lot of data. Yeah. There's um but, there yeah. was a Verge review written by Tasha Robinson and I want to read the quote that she wrote about Klein as a character. Go on. And she just said, yeah. Um, oh god, I've just said she. I'm not sure. Tasha Robinson says, "Klein is a strange sort of hero. He's steady, quiet and thoughtful, but he makes a good case for the crucial link between science and ethics." But he has no family, no history, no flaws or other meaningful characteristics and no personal agenda apart from a roster of things he's built for the military. He's a cipher and he embodies Spectral's essential shallowness. Mm. What do you think? Um, I didn't. He just felt like a dude in science who just can get stuff done because he hasn't got like kids and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I didn't think about it from that point. He's on. Oh, he works for the military as well, so I imagine that's pretty taxing. I mean, that was that is like on the on the list of problems I have with this movie. Sure, it's definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, they blew his character up a lot. Wasn't that obvious? Like he does so much stuff on his own. Yeah, it's it's super shallow. I just like they did. I didn't feel like they built any relationships or any stories and i get it if it's an action movie that's fine but if your intention is to go through the scientific method to go through the struggle of a character between something being faced with something unnatural and not understanding it and wanting to try to apply science to it then you have to see a struggle yeah you have to see the character struggle with this with these thoughts and these ideas before then finally coming to that realization that either it is unnatural and you can't explain it or there is a scientific response and he's always like his method works for him and it's always right or something like that but I just I didn't understand that that was what the theme of the movie was I didn't see any connection between him and this struggle with the view of the scientific method and how it's approached to this environment and the moral dilemma I think there's one conversation that happens between him and the Emily Mortimer character, which is probably what that guy is trying to do. When she says, 
can't you tell us? And he's like, not without more data. And then it just goes off the rails, you know, that's all. And that's pretty normal for any sort of standard shitty movie that they'll set up a whole lot and they'll promise you a whole lot and then they won't deliver any of it because it gives way to kind of action and keeping the viewer's attention. They had that one conversation where it was what we were talking about before, where, where government representative tries to get an answer out of the scientist. Scientist isn't sure because scientists are, won't say they're sure unless they're sure. And then they take that to mean, well, you don't know anything, so we better just go with my gut. Um, super, which is super real. It's super real. The whole idea of science, like yeah. of not being sure, being sort of a pretty under underlying aspect of science and and that sort of being looking like a weakness looks like a weakness um but in terms of so we we, you brought up that scene at the beginning where he's he goes get some random thing out of a microwave and goes gotcha okay can we talk about (laughs) more specifically he comes into his lab in the beginning okay yeah so the science is being carried out this was so funny Okay, what they're saying to each other before they start the experiment. And again, no PPE. Can we talk about this again? No PPE. Seriously, I wrote down my note on the PPE track. Where are the goggles? Where are the safety goggles? Where are the goggles? Microwaves, eyes, penis. (laughs) You gotta be, and here's another thing about tabletop experiments. Okay, (laughs) eyes, yes. You gotta keep men having the microwaves. It's very dangerous. So... This is the thing. They're saying these things. Give me a minute. <laughs> is that our clip for the beginning of the episode? Oh, God. So protect your eyes, protect your penis. So, and, he, and he's carrying a massive block of ice. But the thing which was just so awesome, and this is great, was, was they're starting their experiment and they're saying these prompts back and forward to each other. Concavity is spun to zero. Lens track is hot. Alignment is keyed in. And then they turn on the machine and it goes. <laughs> Firstly, just say it's aligned. And can I just say, if you are aligning something, that is in itself takes ages. And you need a darkroom for that because you use a laser. Yeah. You have a, well, unless you have a really bright laser. But I mean, alignment takes forever because it's very exacting because you're going to send whatever it is down a particular path. But it's microwaves. God, it's a microwave that is powerful enough to blow up a block of ice. I wonder what all their sort of um, what what all their um, elements are in their little tabletop experiment. Mm. Who cares? Anyway, don't care. I just I love that speak. I love that back and forth bullshit crap as if like when you're doing science, you aren't just kind of clicking a mouse click and then waiting in silence and then going, oh, why isn't it working? I click it again. Click, click, yeah. click, click. And then a thing happens. It goes, beep. You know, it doesn't go. <laughs> anyway. No, I totally. Yeah, I, I totally see where you're coming from with that. I felt I felt like that because I saw the setup and I was like, oh, cool. Nice setup kind of thing. Because mm. I was like, I've seen optics tables like that before. And then it was yeah. just like, why are they doing? I think I wrote down something where I went, this sounds like a um, sounds like a launch. You know, it sounds like every launch movie where it's like, engines engaged, what are they uh, doing? thrusters engaged, door lock secure. Yeah. Ten, nine. It was like, it's a laser. <laughs> Come on. It was, I think it was, I thought it was a laser initially because I was laughing that it, and then it blew up the eye. So I was like, 
and then they mentioned microwaves later, mm. which is why I said eyes and penis. Yeah. But I did work. I worked in an optics. I didn't work. I did some of my honors or PhD. I can't remember. In a dark in an optics lab with the tabletop dude, and he, this guy who was the optics uh, professor, I guess you would say, um, and he sort of helped me set up the experiment. Um, but working in an optics lab, so we worked in like total darkness, and also when you're taking, also they're not recording anything is the other thing. They're just blowing shit up. You met, there's no, they're not recording anything. Yeah. And I'm just thinking we, it had to be silent. We couldn't have the air conditioner on. We couldn't have any light. Just, it was a very boring and didn't make any noise whatsoever. And the changes that we did were all, you know, extremely uh, infinitesimal. Um, so, and these two hot scientists come that's in. That's not good for Hollywood. I know. But I love how the first thing they do is blow up an ice cube. Hey, how you doing? Have you got the ice cube? Yeah, here it is. Blow it up. They haven't had coffee, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just wash his hands just blow up and then okay and then he speaks to firstly then the military guys go in and start talking about blowing up living things and then he speaks to his boss and they quote albert einstein to each other classic yeah. movie scientists obviously that's also yeah a bit of sexy science pillar talk <laughs> but kind of a different version where <laughs> scientists would quote other scientists to each other like albert einstein said Da, 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 da. Do we quote scientists to each other? I don't even know a quote from a famous scientist. There's that Feynman one about quantum mechanics, but that's just because every quantum mechanics lecturer will put that up as the first lecture. Um, I, I think we definitely ha- have a lot of chit chat, but we just talk about ideas and, you know, we just sort of go like, if in a three-dimensional world you need two legs, how many legs would you need if it was a four-dimensional world? And stuff like that. <laughs> I just, I felt like it's like what you said about the annihilation thing, the lecture. But because there wasn't a lecture scene, every time he spoke, it was almost like he was, oh, I have to give a lecture to the soldiers because they don't understand science. So I must now lecture them on the scientific method itself. We have to, we have to wait until our next section before we talk about that. Um, it's really hard to not talk about that lecture. But yes. The way scientists talk in movies is so over the top and ridiculous and hilarious. There's there's good examples at other movies, but oh my god. Yeah, what I did like, yeah. I will say, I did like the labs at DARPA. I liked mm. when he was walking around the desk spaces. There was a lot of oscilloscopes. Maybe it was a little bit excessive, Ooh. but like there was a slightly dark and dingy basement vibe. There was like lots of clutter, random things, just Mm. desks with computers and books and notes and shelves just crammed with stuff. And that does remind me of a lot of academics offices and labs that I've seen and stuff. Yeah, clutter, totally. The the lab looked great to me when they walked in there. I mean, there were sort of other random people in the background where they were doing a super dangerous experiment. And then the military, the the government people came in and I I recognized one of them was that guy from, you definitely have not seen this movie, but it's called Happiness by Todd Solans. This is super strange guy and he directs these super weird movies and this, this movie called Happiness. And it's about, it's about a lot of things, but it's also about like a pedophile. One of the main characters is a pedophile. Oh, okay. And the guy who plays that, like, he's just struggled to find roles in movies ever since. Oh. But he does have, like, a five-second bit where he, like, is the guy who's like, can it kill live things? And the answer is, like, of course it can kill live things. It just blew up eyes. But um, he's the pedophile from Happiness. And I, whenever I see him in a movie, I go, like, poor guy. He struggles to find any work ever since that movie. I digress again. <laughs> 
Um, is, is, are there any other points for you in that movie with respect to the way science is carried out or the way scientists speak or the way scientists act that you want to um, talk about? No, I, I, felt like, I felt like in terms of an engineer, he wasn't, he wasn't like massively off the scope of the, you know, the handyman, the kind of, I did think they brought it a little bit too far into the realm of Iron Man. You know, I was like, okay, he's a little bit, he's a little bit too handy. But yeah. at the same time, I was kind of like, look, it's a movie and it's cool. But yeah, I mean, I just, for me, it was just that whole environment of the the lonely, solitary scientist mm. who's, but you know, it's not the, it's not the geeky, nerdy scientist in the corner who just has that one moment of like, oh my God, I've solved it. It's like, no, but he's the, he's the rugged yeah, he's hot. action hero scientist. Yeah. Saves everyone, the lady and the kids. You bring up Iron Man. This is a good mm. thing to bring up because they do a lot of montaging. I've only seen the first Iron Man. I think it's great. And they sell the fact that it's he's a, a he's great a great movie. Also, it's a superhero movie, so I can accept that he can be super smart because within the context yep. of superheroes. But I love I love watching him make science things. I think that's awesome, the way he MacGyver's his heart thing. Um, so, I, like, that's an example of a movie that I take no issue with that montage. But for this this one, was it was silly. Well, can I mention something that I read in the interview not the interview but in the response that the director wrote and see if it changes your opinion because it was not clear to me but okay I'm going to find the actual quote from him okay you bear with me one second oh yeah okay so and quote we intentionally did not specify what year the movie takes place in for this reason Maybe it's 15 years from now, maybe it's 30 or more, but we can imagine that it's in a time when our ability to manipulate science in this way has progressed dramatically. Sure. Classic trick. <laughs> hmm. um, I don't think, um, I think that it could have been set 70 years ago because it's bullshit. It's, it's a bit... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. <laughs> tell us what you really think. I know. One more point I want to make is when he rigs the the equipment together, that he still manages to have a neat a neat display, and like logos. It's hilarious. It's because it's in the future. He probably had a three B three D printer in that like torn down warehouse that they were all hiding out in. You just three D printed all these um these logos just to make sure that everyone knew. Speaking of. 3D printers. <laughs> this is a perfect oh opportunity Here we go. to segue into Here comes the science. Here comes the science. Oh my god, I'm so excited to talk about this. Bose-Einstein condensates. Abby, if you were a Bose-Einstein condensate, could you walk through a wall is, I think, the question that is on the tips of the tongues of all the people that watch this movie. What's your opinion? I'm going to go with a solid No. Just throwing it out there, from my understanding, no. <laughs> what, what is a Bose-Einstein condensate, okay. Abby? I do know what do this is. Do you know is. what this is? What and is it? I actually... Tell me what it is. So, Bose-Einstein condensate is referred to as the fifth state of matter. It was predicted by Satyendra Nath Bose and Albert Einstein back in the 1920s. But in 1995, it was actually created. So it does exist as a thing. It's just the actual reality mm. of how it exists 
is not what this movie is portraying. So I found a really cool article written by Dr. Thilo Stofferl. He's a physicist with a PhD in quantum optics, a current researcher at the IBM Research Zurich Lab, where he's worked for the last 13 years. His research focus is quantum simulation, quantum fields, nanophotonic lasers, and Bose-Einstein condensates. He is an expert. Quantum, quantum, nano, quantum. <laughs> Science buzzwords. Um, but like, I'm just saying like, he, he knows this research and he wrote an article about the science of the movie and he was really nice, I thought, in the article. And the stuff that I've said, the quotes I've had from the director and the comments from the director all came from a response that the director wrote to his article, which I thought was a bit snippy. But basically, if we're talking about BC and so from this article from Dr. Stofferl and from a few other places, I've just put a kind of general idea of it together. So if you take a dilute gas and then through evaporative cooling, you make it super cold to like a millionth of a degree above zero. This is a point where the dilute cloud of atoms will have a really low energy. So they come to what's almost a standstill. They undergo a change of state. The particles lose their individuality so they can no longer be distinguished from one another. They begin to behave like one giant super particle. And that's what the Bose-Einstein condensate is. So it's like a big quantum mechanical wave, mm -hmm. but it is super unstable. Now, the thing about BC is that it requires ultra high vacuum technology, super low air pressure, like way lower than what our normal walking around air is. And at the slightest touch by anything room temperature, it would immediately destroy it. That's right. Now, in the movie, it freezes people on contact. But in reality, they've got such a low heat capacity that you couldn't even cool down like a rice, like a grain of rice. And lastly, they have to be kept in the dark because they evaporate under illumination. Um, Abby. Yeah. Um, we need to make everybody that's listening aware of the fact that when you say a million of degrees above zero, we're talking about Kelvin. Yeah. A millionth of a degree, not millions above, of degrees. Above. A, a, mil <laughs> a millionth was, of a degree. That was my slur. <laughs> a, million, a millionth of a degree above zero Kelvin. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more because when I was watching it, they were saying we need to heat them up. I was like, you can just touch them. Touch yeah. them with your finger. That would be enough. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, God. What, what can you say when they're going BEC? BEC's... Um, in a human form and, and so at the end of the movie right tell, tell us right so what, how are they making because there's, there's a sort of edge to these Bose-Einstein condensates because I did notice at some point I said that one has boobs yeah it had boobs they, I noticed why did it so have yeah, boobs I, Abby this, I, didn't, I didn't fully understand this it was a weird thing where they were just like I felt like they were just trying to drive home this kind of idea of the ghosts of war. So they were using people, but it was like these skeletal forms of people and they were using that to 3D print the Bose-Einstein condensate into images of people. So they had like these human figures. Is that what it was? Did I misunderstand this? So they said something like, they're scanning people 
on a, me- oh, yeah. on a molecular level. They are scanning people on a molecular level. On a molecular level. Yeah, and then 3D printing them out of condensate, which, you know, how would you get the condensate into the 3D printer? That would heat it up. It's the filament. Yeah. So they're 3D printing people out of condensate, which they're just producing it on a mass scale. Bose-Einstein condensate and 3D printing them. And so, but then there's another bent to it. And then it becomes this whole moralistic thing as well about like they're still connected to the nervous system. So they're all actually experiencing pain and they're suffering. And so it becomes this whole moralistic thing where he's like, I have to put them out of their pain. I could keep this here and we could have evidence, but I, something tells me I have to take them out of their, I have to end their misery and she unplugs them. It's sort of a weird, they have a nervous system and a brain and then there's some weird drip, some random sort of IV drip going into, what's it going into? Keeping them alive, these weird ghosts. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was this thing where they kept trying to say it. They kept trying to bring it in as this idea of like the ghost of war. Like, you know, it was like, that was the thing. It's, oh, we don't know what they are. Maybe they're ghostly. And then it's um, the kids come along, the locals saying, oh, it's the Aratari. They're the ghosts of war. And then like, I literally wrote down about the ending. Ooh, metaphor. The body's not alive, not dead. Somewhere in between. It was ghosts of war after all. It's more likely to be ghosts of war than a Bose-Einstein condensate. I believe that, I mean, I have no trouble believing that war has ghosts. Then I find much easier to believe than this silliness with the Bose-Einstein condensate. From this response from the director, there is a moment and, and this sentence, and I want to know what you think of this sentence. He said, we definitely took some license. We were trying to make an action movie with some basis in current scientific concepts, not a procedural or journalistic depiction of a specific branch of physics. We do recognize that so far condensate is very hard to create, extremely unstable, and that 3D printing humans out of condensate isn't exactly right around the corner. Really? How did they even think of it? How did they even think of using Bose-Einstein condensate? I didn't, I mean, like, who, why do they even know about it? Why do people even know that who aren't scientists is my question. This is a curiosity for people that are scientists. I I think the ridiculousness of this to me is on the basis of it using quite a niche scientific idea. Yeah. Okay, so the actual moment, the actual here comes the science bit moment in the movie as it's happening. So we set the scene up. The little girl says, no, the question is, where did your daddy work? At the power plant factory making containers. Yeah, and then he starts thinking, containers, ceramic, bathtub, ceramic, containers. The eyes get wide. The clarity is ensuing. He's understanding. I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. Tell us, Doc. He goes, it can't go through ceramic. It goes through a wall, says who. It's so cold it kills instantly. I know what it is. And then he says something like, it's like, why do they look like people? And then he makes his crazy speech. Or if it's in the right hands, it can look like anything, right? Clay, marble. If someone made them, they cannot escape the laws of the world. It shines light on new laws. And that's what we have to learn. 
because they have order and they have structure. And the lady goes, they can be broken down. Anything can be broken down. It's just energy. Since I know what they are, I can build weapons. And then the military people hear the word weapons and they go, Save you, save you. What save weapons? You. What weapons? <laughs> <laughs> Plasmic discharge made up. Can tear apart the condensate. But what really got me was if we're going on this idea that it's the super cooled material, it's this fifth state of matter, it's a millionth of a degree above zero Kelvin, it's has the ability to kill people immediately on contact somehow it can pass through people and as it passes through them it kills them by turning their insides to ice and they said that that like it's in their insides are ice but their outsides are burn so i guess freezer burn why does it have no effect on any other material yeah why when it's bouncing through the walls like where's all these moments where they go and they're like oh there's ice on the wall that's so weird or do you know? And then why is it suddenly able to take solid form and beat up a truck? That's what I wrote. Why are they so angry all the time? <laughs> they have hair. They're so angry. Why are they so angry? hundred. I think. I think we're sort of going down this rabbit hole where yeah. it's so silly and there's just no way to justify any of it, especially because it even starts to break its own rules. And we haven't even got to the hyperspectral camera. Oh, yeah. They rev- <laughs> Which they start talking about it can only be seen. And it, this is such a rabbit hole because we're going to start talking about the hyperspectral camera. But let's just skip to the part where he does this reverse. And he basically what he does is he turns a, he turns the camera into a spotlight, essentially. Just to justify that for the, for the storytelling, we can now see the ghost where before no one could see the ghosts. Yeah. It starts to break all of its own rules. And the iron filings thing... Anything can destroy both Einstein condensate because it's so hard to make and keep in the state. And, and, and so what about bullets? Bullets are metal. It's like only pure iron. Yeah. It's created, it just sort of created this um, rules in the universe of the film. And they couldn't even keep to those. Shame on them. They couldn't even keep to their own rules that they made I up. Think I think I would have bought it more if instead of trying to make the statement that it is this thing that it is this Bose-Einstein condensate and it's we're supposed to believe that this is some futuristic time where we have the ability to 3D print things out of Bose-Einstein condensate and control it in such a way and then use it as a weapon. Like, I would believe it more if they just didn't... It's that thing that we've talked about before. It's like there's a moment where you don't need to explain it and by explaining it, you bring it into the world of reality and you call it into question. Because if you just said mm. it was a new state of matter in this futuristic world and people had been able to figure out how to use this material, had created this material that can be 3D printed and implanted with violent urges, then I could just kind of go, okay, cool. It's a future sci-fi thing, whatever it is. But you've taken something yeah. that exists in our world and turned it not into not just turned it around a little bit in like oh well we can just manipulate the basis of the science here but you've manipulated it to the point where you're just kind of like it makes me go immediately what like you've just said words that are familiar to me and now i don't understand what's happening anymore 
again, like it's silly and it's funny, but my, but my biggest issue is none of it's consistent. Even the ghosts get more angry as the movie goes yeah. on. In the beginning, they're just like, ah. yeah, and they get a little bit sad, a little bit stuck, and then they get super aggressive. And then they turn into like a little army, and they're silly. hunting them down, and they're jumping. You know, they go yeah, running down exactly. the the telephone lines onto the the um the poles to try and catch them in the building. Yeah. Then they have to make a diversion. Make a quick, create a diversion. I wanted it to be fun and it was fun. And I I do want to say like the first time I watched it, I watched it with no lens of anything and it was just fun. Yeah. But then it broke me when the Here Comes the Science bit happened. Yeah. Oh, it's so crazy. It's so fun though. It's fun when you know what a Bose-Einstein condensate is. You're one of the lucky people who have heard of this and then it comes up in a movie. That was fun. Because I, I, this is how it goes. My partner puts on science fiction movies and I kind of slowly fall asleep. So it kind of yoinked me. Huh? What? <laughs> you know. So, so they come to a point where he, he discovers not only are they condensates which have escaped, but they're all attached to the nervous system of the people who it was copied from. So he goes to where he sees the nerve and it looks to me like a nervous system. But here's the thing, which actually after this, I almost fainted. He unplugs it to put it out of pain. Very sweet. They cultivate this nice little sweet moment. And the nervous system is made up of gas and it just disappears. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it just evaporates. I thought it was a brain and a nervous system being kept alive with a drip. Okay, I'll take it. It's kind of like never seen anything like that before. I'll take it. But then he unplugs it and it kind of goes. Uh, oh, yeah, it all just kind of disappears. Turns to dust. Everything's to dust. It's the dusts of war. <laughs> and even uh, uh, I, Abby, it was really rough. It was. It was rough. And then we defeat the Bose Einstein condensates, and the people of Moldova are with kerchiefs around their necks, getting soup or whatever they're doing. And and you know all's well at the end of this movie. Um, Bruce Greenwood, by the way. I forgot to say. I forgot to say about Bruce Greenwood that I know. I know where he's from. Ah. I know where he's from now. He's from. He's from the last season of Mad Men. I don't know if you ever watched that show. I never watched it. But he, oh, he plays like the short boy, short-lived boyfriend. Well, not he, short-lived, but the relationship was short-lived with the one of the characters with Joan. Um, he's a sexy older man. Nah. Um, but um. Eh, he was pretty. He did nothing. Yeah. The, the guy that I did like was no, one of the no, guys. No, no, wait, that was wait, wait. Heel. Bruce Greenwood. Yeah. Uh, first, I my my knowledge is Star Trek. So yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I'm Admiral not a Pike. Never watched Captain Pike then Admiral it. Pike. But anyway, in which in which series? Uh, the movies, the more recent ones, the J.J. Abrams ones. Ah. Um. So that's how I know him. And yeah, he did. It, it's not true that he did nothing, cause. Okay. When they had to flee because the spectrals were going everywhere and killing everyone and going all across the city and the base had to be, um, they had to, they had to abandon the base. Don't forget, he turned up with the helicopters that brought that, those handy super duper um, fright cases full of materials that could then be used to make the weapons. So he had a role. He had to bring the materials so that your man could MacGyver the... The plasmonic discharge guns. Yes. Plasma. 
that was his, uh, his role. His character did things. His character did things. I'm saying the actor himself. Kind of, he kind of just stood yeah. there. No, yeah, I just like that was his entire purpose. Just as her entire purpose was to translate, his entire purpose was to make sure that that stuff got there at yes. that point in the movie. To explain how he suddenly got an angle grinder. <laughs> yeah, that's where the angle grinder came from. Yeah, <laughs> how did he get it? And I was like, oh, Bruce Greenwood brought it. Um, so the other military guy starts off as the, the hillbilly. He kind of gets on board the science guy. And and I really enjoyed having all these military guys go condensate. Go to get the condensates. Suddenly everybody's a crossbows, Einstein and condensates. Yeah. All of a sudden, all these military guys are going condensates. You know, my favorite, get me the kill shot. We need the kill shot. Get me the kill shot. Get me. <laughs> you just need to line me up so I can get the kill shot. This movie is a big ove. And... and and when we when we and when we do a final verdict, I'm gonna I'm gonna score it out of Oyves out of five. Okay, cool. Okay. I like it. Just to conclude, I have to say, the end of the movie when he's talking about the nervous system and they're feeling and they're in pain and they are kind of ghosty, and she's like, "What do you think about it all?" And he says, "Well, there's some things that science can't answer. Yeah, there's some things that science can't answer." Like this fucking movie. <laughs> if you put it like this, then yeah. That's his whole... There's some things that science kind of... So they, they absolutely take science that is sort of known, twisted beyond any recognition, add in sprinkles, whipped cream, whatever, and then at the end of the movie they have the nerve to say to us that there are some things that science <laughs> can't answer. If you do science like that, then yeah, that's <laughs> And I really feel like we have, we are yes, done talking are. about the science of this movie, which I'm sort of relieved. I'm relieved that it's over, Abby. It was rough. <laughs> it, was it was really fun, hard. Though. But um, it was fun. It was fun. And and now I think here we are yes. at our favorite moment. Our, is that what the fuck moment? And I'm going to play a little bit. What the fuck? What the What the fuck? Abby. Give us your what the fuck moment. Well, I kind of, I have two. Um, no problem. More just because I think the first one is probably, I feel like you're going to have the same one as me. You definitely won't have the same oh, one Oh, really? Oh, okay. Because mm. I assumed, because you touched on it a while ago and I didn't say anything because I was saving it for my what the fuck moment. But it's... <coughs> If I just reverse the polarity of some of the components, I can turn this camera into a spotlight and we can see them with our eyes. Reverse the polarity. Classic. I don't know if there's any truth in this statement, but I listened to that sentence and just went, dude, what the fuck? You're an optics person. Tell me if I'm wrong. Well, cameras receive, don't they? Mm. They're receivers. They're female. Spotlights are male. They're givers. <laughs> <laughs> you can't turn you can't turn a camera into a spotlight. That's what they did. Cameras receive data. They don't there's nothing you, and that takes a lot of power yeah. what the spotlight then did. Where's the power coming from? Yeah. See? That that was there was a few things that I was like, wait, what did they say? I'm gonna look at it later and see if that makes sense. But that one, I was it, it was it happened pretty quickly, and before I even sort of thought about it, I realized it was nonsense. So, um, I'm gonna go on to say what my what the fuck moment was. The thing about this movie is that the whole thing was a big what the fuck. 
right? Yes. So so I was I struggled to really find one moment, but there was a moment for me which, and so as they they're using the spotlight instead of the goggles, and the spotlight has a much you know it's more you can see the the spectrals more clearly I guess but as the movie goes on the spectrals they get more angry but they also get bigger boobs they get hair they get all these sort of features which we didn't see at the beginning in the beginning they're just wisps and at the end they have full faces and there's a point at the end where he looks at the full face of this ghost both Einstein condensate and I swear to god it looks exactly like Kevin Spacey and I'm sorry (laughs) for mentioning Kevin Spacey it was just this full-fledged face floating in midair. Because Kevin Spacey's face kind of has a weird featureless sort of thing to it. He looks like, his face looks like a mold of a face before you add any kind of stuff right. onto it or something. <laughs> but anyway, enough about Kevin Spacey. <laughs> but when they showed the face of the Bose-Einstein condensate, I mean, it was just so silly. That's my what-the-fuck moment because it just starts off like a wisp Ends off like Kevin Spacey. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I get it. I have another one that isn't about the science. It's just, and, and as you said, there's a ton of what the fuck moments. But there was one moment for me, all right, at the end of the movie that I was just like, oh, come on. And it was when, so we've got our super genius scientist dude. Like he has single-handedly like created all these weapons, figured out this whole thing. He's supposed to be this brilliant man. And they get to the place where for some reason it's like, oh, if you just unplug all this crap, it'll kill everything and, and they'll all and all the Bose Einstein condensates will go away and everyone will be safe. So they're there and she has to translate the screen for him because, you know, that's what she's there for. She's the translator. And all she says to him is, you have to pull out all of these individual things and then pull the big bracket in the middle. He goes to do it. He pulls out all the individual things and then stands there and says, I've pulled everything out. Nothing's happening. And we have to have that moment so she can go, pull the bracket. And then he pulls the final bracket and we get that. And it was a really cool visual shot. But I was just like, you've just set him up the entire movie to be this super duper genius Iron Man dude. And he forgot to pull the bracket. Like what? Just so you could get this shot. But yeah. Oh, I know. That was my alternate. I have to say I had I had completely switched off at that point. Because even okay. that, that room it seemed to grow to me anyway it started off small and then suddenly it was so big it was just the biggest room I've ever seen in my life <laughs> I'm like is that room growing have I fallen asleep I mean yeah I definitely dropped off at that at that point you know and they're yelling at each other and the things are escaping and I just thought please end and speaking of ends yes I think we're going to give our final verdict and I don't know if we really need to do the Bechdel test we'll do it anyway oh, it just yeah go on there were two females in it no i no i was so i fully it did not pass the bechdel test let's think about it for a second no (laughs) i refuse i refuse to give this a pass on the bechdel test just because they had a child like a female child in it and just because they made her the translator which meant that she spoke to the female child but they spoke about the child's father so in all fairness they did it was about a man it was about a man. So they failed the Bechdel test. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Bechdel's test done. It's my judgment. And now 
I don't even know what the metric is. I think I'm going to give it how many oives out of five oives is the here comes the science bit. Did it pass the here comes the science bit? I just wrote no, no, no. Nope. <laughs> how, yeah. What's your what's your verdict? Five oives out of five. It does not get more oive than that. <laughs> I mean, oive. <laughs> Final verdict, Abby. Um, give us your score, please. Give us your score. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what my score is. I did kind of like in the end. I was like, I. It was fun. It definitely was a fun mm-hmm. movie. There was just a lot of problems. I thought it was totally fine if it had just been an action movie. I would have really enjoyed it as a supernatural ghost movie in a modern war setting. I would have loved love that. a ghost movie. But um, yeah, yeah. I was just I just wrote drop the science and then I wrote I uh, had in brackets. I guess there's something science can't explain. <laughs> I guess so, Abby. <laughs> so I'm going to say I'll give it two. Two out of five. I'm going to give it one. One out of... No. No. I'm giving it... I was going to give it one out of five just because it was super fun the first half an hour. But that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about science. On that basis, it's getting half a star. And the only reason it has a half is because at least it mentioned something obscure. Yeah. Which... Now people are talking about Bose-Einstein condensates. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> but remember, they're not out to kill us. They're not out to kill us. They're very <laughs> gentle beings. <laughs> well, this was fun. It was fun. And I, yeah, I mean, look, we, we'll have bad movies. We'll have good movies. We'll have indifferent movies, I'm sure, along the way. But uh, even a bad movie can be fun. But what, Frida, is our next movie? We are doing a palate cleanser for the next show (laughs) because it has been really fun to laugh at stupid shit, but I think we need to watch something real good. So the movie I have picked is the movie called Moon. Which I have not seen before, so I'm excited. I don't know how we're going to watch it. How do we watch things? What do you mean, how do we watch things? I don't know. What do we do? iTunes? Have you seen how many streaming services there are out there? I will <laughs> scrap that. Um, closing remarks, Abby. Anything before we before we send off? Oh, I have a closing remark for you, which I thought which I thought you might find interesting. The word spectral means of or ghost-like, but according to Urban Dictionary, it describes it as a combination of inserting something with a gas or a vapor-like substance up a human anus. Hey. Like a suppository? <laughs> well, know. on that note, thanks for listening. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on scienceatthemovies at gmail.com or catch us on Instagram at scienceatthemovies. It's been wonderful. I'm Frida. I'm Abby. Bye. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Don't put gas up your anus. <laughs>